Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is up, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. We're back after a month hiatus celebrating the Dodgers 2020 World Series champions. We're going to say that every day for the rest of this upcoming year. But this is the point of the podcast because the Dodgers, we don't want to just settle for one championship. We want to keep that magic rolling over into the 2021 season. So we got some exciting stuff we're going to talk about today. But first, let's introduce everyone. Just as a reminder, this is the November episode. We'll start with David Rosenthal. How's it going, David? What's up? How's Good, the Good, Kevin. Uh, how's it going, Jake? Good to be back. Dodgers are still world champions. Uh, it's been quiet on the uh, MLB hot stove front, uh, but looking forward to talking about what's what we do know and what we you know anticipate happening. Uh, but good to be back. Jake, yeah. how's it going? I know you've That's... been up to some exciting stuff. Do you want to save it for later or talk about it now? Yeah, I mean, you know, David mentioned the hot stove. Uh, I was on the hot stove uh, yesterday, and uh, it was fun. I was, I, know, I was announcing my uh, my brand new baseball podcast, which I'll get into a little bit later, called Meeting on the Mound. Um, but I am still on cloud nine from the championship. I uh, nearly maxed out my credit card purchasing like literally everything. I got a World Series champion shirt on right now. I, I purchased a paperweight of the World Series trophy. I mean, just anything I could get my hands on. I asked my family, I was like, you guys want anything I'm buying? You know, it was just, it was so great. And I just loved, you know, so I've loved being able to celebrate this um, the way that, you know, well, not the way that I wanted to, but like, you know, just being able to celebrate it for once in my life, uh, never been able to see a world series title. And so it's just been, it's just been great. And, and being able to watch Dodger highlights and not thinking about the fact that like at the end, they didn't win it, you know, like you can be watching all these like, you know, highlights of years past, but like this year they won it. And I love watching every single highlight. That's right. World series champions. So let's talk about the subject that's on everyone's mind. It's all over the place, not even in LA. They're talking about it out in Colorado too. And that's Nolan Arenado rumored to be a trade acquisition target by the Los Angeles Dodgers. What do we want to make of this guys? I'll let you start Jake, because mine's going to be very short and simple. (laughs) Okay. Um, Obviously, I would love to have Nolan Arenado on the Dodgers. I mean, who wouldn't? I wouldn't complain if we got him. Um, I just don't necessarily think that we need him to win a championship. I think that the way that the Dodgers are built at the current moment, they are primed to make deep runs every single year. We've got Mookie Betts for the rest of his career. And I think that I would prefer to have Justin Turner finish his career as a Dodger. And I know that both can happen. And if the DH stays in the national league, that could be a huge advantage to getting both of those players. But in terms of getting Nolan Arenado, I don't think we need him, but I think it does, you know, it could make sense for us in a lot of different ways, which I can get into a little bit later, but in terms of, do we need him? No. Um, We have Justin Turner I would hate to have uh, Nolan Arenado in any way affect extending Corey Seager or Cody Bellinger. So if, if it puts that in jeopardy, then, then I don't think that I really want to go down that, that way. Yeah, this is not happening. The Dodgers, Nolan Arenado will not be a Dodger. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee that. But David, Jim Bowden said we were going to get him by Christmas. Yeah, that's, you know what that is? That's stirring up interest for an otherwise dead rumor mill. 
uh, this is not happening. He is not going to be traded to a division rival for peanuts on the dollar. It's not happening. Uh, let's look at his contract. And Jake, you mentioned an important uh, point. He's got $35 million. He's owed $35 million next year. And then he has a player opt-out uh, in 2022. Uh, and if he opts in, the next five years would be an average of around $31 million per season through 2026. If they want to extend Corey Seager, Walker Bueller, and Cody Bellinger, that's not happening. It's not going to happen. Andrew Friedman prioritizes his guys more than he does free agents. Historically, obviously, Mookie Betts is, is the one brilliant, lovely exception. Uh, but this is not going to happen. The Rockies, why would the Rockies trade him to the Dodgers? Are they trying to lose for another 15 years? It's just not going to happen. Uh, Justin Turner will be a Dodger again. The DH will stay in the National League, uh, which, which opens the door for a possible, you know, Arenado trade. But they're not going to trade for him. They're not going to give up a ton if he doesn't agree to not opt out. And by doing that, he would essentially make it very difficult to pay Corey Seager. Before you get in there, Kevin, I just want to add, the Dodgers are actually in a really great position in terms of leverage if they did want to go down that road because they don't need him and they don't need that extra piece to push them over the edge like they did maybe last year when they were trying to get Mookie Betts and then eventually did. They have the leverage because Nolan Arenado has a no trade clause. So if yeah. he if he wants to go to the Dodgers and that is the only team that he will want to go to, then the Rockies have their backs up against the wall and they can't ask for, you know, Gavin Lux, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin. They're going to get more along the lines of maybe an Alex Verdugo type of trade that the Boston Red Sox got because from all I can tell, Nolan Arenado is not necessarily happy in Colorado and wants to move on. So if the Dodgers did want to go down that road, they would be in a good position. But I agree with you, Kevin. I don't I just can't see them trading within the division. That would be just the dumbest move they could make. No, and that's an important point. Sorry, Kevin, just one more thing real quick. That's an important important point to make uh, because Nolan Arenado can force their hand because he can opt out and just walk away, and then they'd get nothing for him. Uh, but I have a hard time seeing Arenado saying, trade me to the Dodgers or I'm opting out. I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, and even then, uh, th that's still, you know, affects the Dodgers' ability to extend Seager uh, and then Bellinger and Bueller in a few years. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. All right. the, facts, the facts are Nolan Arenado wants to win. And you mentioned and then corrected yourself about the Rockies would be screwed 15 years or so if they traded him. They're going to be worse off if they don't trade him because he is going to opt out because he wants to win. I guarantee this offseason, Arenado is going to be traded to either the Dodgers or the St. Louis Cardinals. Both destinations fit him perfectly. Cardinals are in a very weak division that they can run away with. They'll be in the postseason if they get Arenado. And, of course, Arenado's from Southern California. He grew up a Dodgers fan, so he would, of course, accept a trade to Los Angeles. I think the Dodgers are in a position, if they want to make this deal, they don't need to make the trade. But they have a guy who's very valuable in Kybert Ruiz, who I would hate to see get traded because Fangraphs, literally compares this guy to the next Yadier Molina. But any a team like the Rockies who desperately needs a good catcher, they're going to want Kybert Ruiz. And then the Dodgers can force this trade to be too sexy to pass up if they're going to throw in a guy like Tony Gonsolin, who for whatever reason they just don't seem to be very high on. And he might be in the Dodgers' bullpen next season anyways. We can talk about that later. Or they, they go with their lesser-tier prospects such as Mitch White, Dennis Santana. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Josiah Gray for Nolan Arenado, but you never know. But the Dodgers have all the assets to outbid any opponent. So if they do want Arenado, Andrew Friedman can make it happen. Uh, if you guys have any rebuttal, feel free to go yeah, ahead. I have, Otherwise... a question. I have a question for you, Kevin. So yeah. you're very high on Ruiz, and I think we all should be. He, you know, is a top prospect in our organization, but what happens when he's ready to come up to the majors or he, he he's, he's pretty close to being ready. I mean, we saw him in action this season. So what do you do with Will Smith and Kiebert Ruiz? You're not, are you going to have both of them on the roster? I, I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to want to have one of them be the backup for the other. So 
Kiebert Ruiz could be expendable if you did want to go get Nolan Arenado. Exactly, and I don't yep. think, and I don't think you would, you know, I mean, yes, you'd lose him, but because you have Will Smith, who is young and also is proven in the postseason, I, I'm, I would be okay with that. What do you think about that? It's tough because Will Smith has shown so far he's not a very good defensive catcher. Whether you love his bat or not, the reality is he's been a disaster behind the plate. And he'll get better. I, I have no doubts he has a full offseason to get better. But I don't honestly know if his future is the long-term catcher. If the DH comes to the National League, there's your guy right there. You could put Will Smith at DH for a majority of the games. Or if you let Justin Turner walk, third base is wide open, and Will Smith has a lot of experience in the infield. And that wouldn't surprise me if you put him, put him at first or third base. But obviously if they got Arenado, I think Ruiz is gone. And then that kind of solves that whole log jam. You keep Smith at catcher. You put Arenado at third. Unfortunately for Justin Turner, that might either mean he's a bench player or his time as a Dodger is over. But honestly, I think I'm okay with it. Arenado is still in his prime. He's an eight-time gold glove winner at third, which some people say, oh, gold gloves don't matter. Well, for Arenado, he is a legitimate defensive third baseman. There's no one better than him. Hardly any balls get past him. Against lefties for his entire career, he's a 320 hitter, a 394 on base, 996 OPS, and he's been in the top five for MVP voting multiple times. So this is the type of player that if you're able to get him, you do it because this is how dynasties are formed. So, okay, I got a question for you then. That If they get Arenado that seriously jeopardizes their ability to sign Corey Seager. Oh yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So the Dodgers have $70 million coming off the books after this upcoming season ends guys like Kershaw, Jansen, even Seager, their contracts are off the books. They can afford to pay Arenado and Seager because first of all, they play different positions. Arenado's at third Seager's at shortstop. I don't buy into this Corey Seager is a future third baseman. I just don't see it. If they have to move him to first one day or the DH, then that's what's going to happen. Yes, there is going to be some riskiness down the line. You might have to decide between Cody Bellinger and Walker Buehler, but we don't know where they're going to be in four or five years when their contracts are up. So you just kind of have to worry about it then, and you focus on now, worry about that later. But if Arenado opts in, you're glued to him for six years. He's 29. He'll be 35 um, after Perfect. the end of the 26, 2026 season. That's where Justin Turner's age is right now. No, and let me make something clear. I love Nolan Arenado. I think he'd be a great addition to the Dodgers. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen at all. Uh, there's just too many moving parts. Uh, if I, I do like what Jake was saying. I, I think if anyone gets traded, it is Kyber Ruiz or possibly Diego Cartaya because I think that the organization is very, very high on Kyber Ruiz. Uh, they got a ton of guys they can trade uh, and it's, it's not going to be May and it's not going to be Lux. I can promise you that. All right. But it's okay. Cause Justin Turner's going to the blue Jays. <laughs> yeah. So the perfect transition, Justin Turner rumored to be on Toronto blue Jays radar. J- David has already guaranteed Justin Turner is coming back to the Dodgers. I, on the other hand, I'd like to see him come back, but I'm not, committed to bring him back i don't think that's the number one offseason priority justin turner is 36 he's still a very great hitter solid defender but you kind of have to think big picture here do you want to be committed to the guys that are on the decline or do you think ahead and you start to plug in guys who are younger about to enter their prime and you have to look at the contract situation i think justin turner's you give them two years max, maybe $12 million annually. But if a team like the Blue Jays is sweeping in and they're going to offer him three years at $48 million, I don't think the Dodgers should match that. Yeah, you know, it's tough uh, because if the Blue Jays were to offer that, it would be very, very difficult for the Dodgers to match, at least financially. Uh, I don't think they want to go three years with Turner. Uh, but let's just, let's just, re- let's just read what, what's been reported. All we know is that the Blue Jays have contacted Justin Turner. That means essentially nothing. That could mean, hey, you still able to play baseball? Cool, we might be interested in you. Uh, and also what's being reported is, is that Turner is, quote, still appears to be the Dodgers' first choice in terms of infield additions. I would be stunned 
if Justin Turner is not back with the Dodgers. Whether that's to play every day is a different story. Uh, but even if they added Arenado, that doesn't mean Turner's not going to come back. I don't think he, he got, he's gotten his money. I don't think he's in it for the money. I think he, he is so immersed in this city and this team and the heart of the clubhouse uh, that he wants to run it back. Uh, I, I just can't see a world where he leaves. I just can't. I'm going to jump on that and say he's the captain of the team. And it's not like this guy was coming off the bench and it's not like a, you know, a Julio Franco situation where yeah. the guy's hanging he on. Has, he, has he was the number, th- the he's the number series. three, he's the number three hitter in the lineup. I mean, yeah. He is, he is in the middle of that lineup. He is a huge part of why we won the world series. He's one of the most consistent bats I've ever seen. The guy doesn't get phased down, you know, Oh, and two in the strike zone. He is just a great hitter. And so I don't think you can afford to lose him at least, at least keep him for the rest of his career. The Dodgers found something in Justin Turner when the, the Mets didn't want him. They figured, they figured out how to make him uh, one of the best uh, third basemen in the game. And he, the Dodgers need to reward that and keep him on the team. There's, you, 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 can't, you can't lose him. You just can't. Yeah, I and think they can't treat- afford to lose him. But I'd love to see him come back. But th- we're going to talk about some other guys who their time has come. So one, I think for me, more, the Dodgers. One more word in on Turner before we move on. I just, yeah, the Dodgers' main priority for me is bullpen. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. But when people need to stop treating Justin Turner like he's some washed up, like Josh Reddick type player. He's not that. He was phenomenal in the playoffs. And, and, they on on field stuff aside that dude is is keeps everyone together uh we heard about all these group texts they had together uh especially during the brave series uh he's the heart and soul and you can't really measure that uh but that's worth a lot of uh, it's just that's that's invaluable you that's can, you what you're paying for that. too yeah you can't replace that uh you throw you throw 10 15 million dollars at him for for a one year contract reevaluate next year i don't i don't see him turning that down uh, and the Dodgers can definitely afford that, and he deserves it. So now let's talk about some other roster moves that the Dodgers have made, and it has to do with the uh, Rule 5 draft. They've added four men to their 40-man roster, so now the roster is up to 36 men, meaning there's four spots available. Who they've added is Gerardo Carrillo, Andre Jackson, Edwin Usenta, and Zach Rex. I don't know the first two names that well, but I think Jake, you wrote an article about Usenta, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Edwin Uceta, he is, um, it's actually quite an interesting story. He was, he worked as a gas station attendant from ages 12 to 14 in the Dominican Republic to help provide for his family. And it was actually his uncle who encouraged him to play baseball and he didn't pick up a baseball until he was about 11. And so, when the Dodgers got him uh, in 2016 at the age of 18, uh, they signed him for $10,000. And he, uh, at last check, I don't know if it's changed, but he is the 17th ranked Dodgers prospect. Um, he is uh, a pretty decent pitcher. Um, and he is sort of kind of going in between maybe being a starter versus being a reliever uh in 2019 he did make 10 starts he was 4-0 with a 2.15 era 1.252 whip uh 16 walks and 65 strikeouts um he made it as high as double a um and he was pretty good uh with the uh, double the double a tulsa drillers um so he's a he's an interesting guy um, I also wrote about Gerardo Carrillo, who um, actually is uh, he's been kind of struggling with his control. So that's one thing that they're trying to work on. And I read that he, you know, they're trying to change his delivery, but he's a good, he's a good pitcher trying to figure out if he is actually, you know, a starter or reliever. But the thing with the Dodgers and what we saw with um, guys like Victor Gonzalez, who is also kind of like, on that, on the fence of, of being a starter and reliever. They're just so good at finding these guys that can just, that they just ramp it up there in 98, hundred miles an hour. And they become these bullpen all-stars and that's what we saw last year. And so I, I wouldn't expect anything different once these guys make the big leagues. 
Rex is a guy I think we're going to be talking about as early as next season. Between double A and triple A in 2019, he batted 291 with a 385 on base percentage, 28 home runs, and 93 RBIs. So even though we might be losing guys like Jock Peterson and Hernandez in free agency, looks like Rex is close to being a plug in guy and he can make an impact right away. But speaking of those four spots, go ahead, Kev. We have. Assuming they sign Turner, that means three spots are remaining with free agents such as Trinan, Baez, Wood, all being out there on the market. Who are you guys focused on early on in this free agency period? Guys that you would like to either see them re-sign or attack on the market? I mean, it. frankly, I'm looking at the Dodgers 40-man roster right now, and just the fact that Blake Trinan is not on it is breaking my heart, uh, my fragile, fragile heart. Uh, they need to resign him. They do. Uh, I don't think this is a Brandon Morrow situation. Yes, Roberts used him a lot, uh, but this was not a full 162 game season. Uh, he's he's still somewhat young. I think he's 31. Uh, they need to give him a, a, at least a two year contract because he's going to have plenty of suitors. Uh, losing Baez, I, I think they should bring back bring back Baez on a you know affordable deal. Yes, he implodes sometimes with runners on base in the playoffs. Uh, but when used correctly, I think they need to keep him. Uh, and, and basically, that's it. I, I don't even think they need to do anything. Would I love to see Trevor Bauer sign with the Dodgers? Yes. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think they're just going to bring back Turner and, and add to the bullpen. I think that's going to be it. Uh, you mentioned we're, gonna, we're probably going to lose Peterson and, and Kike Hernandez. Uh, but you also mentioned guys like Zach Rex. And then there's DJ Peters and uh, uh, Luke Rayleigh who are all outfielders and who all can plug and play easily at this point. McKinstry too. Yeah. McKinstry is going to be the, the Hernandez replacement. And then uh, Rex or Rayleigh or Peters is going to be uh, Jock Peterson's replacement. Should they leave? Uh, Jock so Peters, I, Jock Peterson's going to get a lot of attention and he, as he should, he's yeah. earned that. And someone's going to pay him. Someone's going to pay him because he, he is super valuable and he's actually the one guy um, I would be sad to see go because just watching him in October, October. I mean, that is just, it's yeah, just so it's much fun. Thing. It's such a thing. It's such a thing. Look at the numbers, uh, do your research. Um, but the thing about Peterson is that um, he's sort of a, a, a one trick pony in the sense that he can't hit lefties and he's not a great defender. Um, so that he would fit perfectly on an American league club. Uh, if the, if the DH does not stay in the national league, um, he'd be a great bat for any lineup. Um, Kike Hernandez, I, as much as fans love him, I've said this before. I just don't see who's going to pay him that much money. He may wind up back with us at some point, but I just, I see him. I mean, yes, he's valuable. He plays all over the diamond, but we've given him opportunities to start and be a regular and it just didn't work out. So I don't know who exactly would want him in their lineup every day and who would pay him big money to do it. I don't know about big money, uh, but I think, I think someone will offer him, you know, a four, three, four year deal, you know, for maybe, you know, 17, $20 million, which I I think he would have a hard time turning down. Uh, But, you know, it's, I honestly, the Dodgers don't have to do anything. Uh, And that's why Andrew Friedman is playing with house money right now. He can do anything like land Nolan Arenado, or he can do nothing or not nothing, but, you know, sign a couple bullpen arms and, and run it back. They're capable of doing that with just that. One thing to keep an eye on is from reports, it looks like the Dodgers are going to be trying to mix it up in their bullpen by acquiring guys that throw at different arm angles, because I guess they weren't too happy with too many, they had too many similar approaches with Baez Kelly. So, you know, I don't know too much about Liam Hendricks other than he's really good. So I'd love to see them maybe sign him to be their closer of the future. Yeah. But I also would love to see Blake Trinan come back because, you know, David is the ultimate stand of him. He's just that good. And then, you know, you could even look at a guy like Brad Hand because who knows if Adam Kalerik and Scott Alexander are going to be any good next season. If you can have Hand and Victor Gonzalez is your two key lefties in the bullpen. That poses a lot of nightmare matchups. So get Look, greedy. Don't overpay for the bullpen, but you got to make it good. If you, if you get 
let's say you let's say you resign Blake Trinan and you resign Justin Turner to like two year deals, maybe one to two year deals. That still allows you to pay Cody Bellinger, Corey Corey Seager first of all, because he'll come off the books first. It'll still allow you to do that because by the time you know, maybe by the time that contract kicks in, those guys Turner and Trinan will be off the books pretty yeah. soon. And Kelly next year, Jansen next year, Kershaw next year. Uh, but, you know, Kevin, you mentioned the rosters at, at 36 out of 40 right now, but I, I wouldn't look too much into that because if they, if they, if they find guys, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, a couple of these guys on the roster right now uh, either get DFA'd or traded. Uh, you know, Scott Alexander would be one candidate. Uh, there's one more candidate. I forgot who was, who it was, uh, Josh Spores is currently even, on the 40 minute. Matt Beatty, his time, uh, might be up. Yeah, Matt Beatty's time might be up. Dennis Santana is a possible trade candidate. So, you know, they got, they got plenty of room to work with here. Uh, and you know, David Price coming back. So there's, there's an addition right there. Well, we would think he's coming back, but who knows, you know, what he's going to do with the pandemic still going on, but yeah, that's an interesting point. It's almost like we're adding a free agent lefty if he if he pitches. Yep. Here's a guy we should talk about just real quick from who's brought up by our listener Ryan at Catch the Blues. He wants to know a little bit about Gavin Lux, who went from being a can't miss prospect, an untradeable guy who basically lost his job this past season. He thinks um, should we be concerned at all with Gavin Lux, or was it just a weird year? I know that David has a, a lot of thoughts and feelings about Gavin Lux because uh, he follows him on Twitter, but um, I'm just going to say very briefly about this because I, I, I don't think that we've seen the best of Gavin Lux yet. And I don't think that we've given him an opportunity, a real opportunity. Like we've not given him the reins at second base and said, all right, kid, go get it. He has not had that opportunity yet. We've seen him up and down cup of coffee here and there. So I, I really don't think that they're going to give up on him now. They've kept him for, for too long. Andrew Friedman has kept him in his back pocket for too long. He's brought up in every single trade rumor ever, and they've held on to him. And, and to me, if you're going to hold on to a guy like that for that long, you better give him a shot because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, that's a perfect point. They, they called him up at the end, very end of 2019, uh, we barely saw him. And then this year, you know, with the whole pandemic season, we, there was not really a fair shot. There was no minor leagues, really. There was no regular offseason. Spring training, hit or miss. Look, look, this kid turned 23 yesterday. Uh, in 2019, in the minors, he hit 347 with a 1,000.028 OPS, 26 home runs, and 76 RBIs uh, in 113 games. Don't give up on Gavin Lux just because you haven't seen him produce fully yet. Trust me, do not give up on this. Andrew Friedman has not given up. And let, no, no, another thing, there's a reason every single team starts their trade offers with the Dodgers with Gavin Lux and Dustin May. We waited on May. We didn't trade May. Look how that panned out. And it's only going to pan out more. Uh, look. Kike Hernandez is, is probably going to be on another team next year. I think next year is, is the year they finally, you know, he's going to have to earn it. Uh, but I think next year is, the, is finally the year where they say, okay, look, like, here's the job. Do your thing. Uh, yes, we got Chris Taylor to mix in here and there, left field, who knows. But you can't give up on Gavin Lux. This guy's too talented. And, yes, he does follow me on Twitter, so I'm a little bit biased, but, I, but I'm just telling you the truth. No, that's why I thought I should go first because he doesn't follow me on Twitter. Maybe he will at some point, <laughs> yeah. but I, but I needed to give him my vote of confidence because we haven't seen all of him yet. Not even close. Gavin Lux is really good and he's poised for a big 2021. So that's why I'm not worried if we lose aging veterans, because I think Lux is going to make it a huge impact very soon. Changing topics. Now, this is the current Dodgers, but let's do a fun little segment into the past where we're going to, bring up a player, whether it was a signing or a trade acquisition that maybe didn't go over with, go over well with so many fans, but it's our job today to defend that move. So do you want me to go first, Jake, or do you want to start it off? Yes, please go first. Okay. So in 2008, the Dodgers traded 
some guy that didn't matter and Carlos Santana for Casey Blake. Now, a lot of people right now in time kind of think that was a stupid trade by the Dodgers and I'm not here for it. First of all, even though Carlos Santana's had a very solid career, he's only had a career war of 21.2. So over his 11 year career, he's averaging 1.9 as a war. That's nothing to ride home about. Second of all, the Dodgers didn't need a first baseman. When they had um, Casey Blake come to the team, James Loney was right there. Nomar, they were fine. But then the real big acquisition was Adrian Gonzalez, who was an awesome first baseman for the Dodgers. And then when Gonzalez was too old, they had Cody Bellinger. And I know that Carlos Santana started off as a catcher, but we had Russell Martin. So that was fine with me too. So now why Casey Blake was a good move. So in 08, this team was pushing to make the postseason. They hadn't been a real legitimate team. And who knows how well this was kind of the first team where we're like, oh, they could win a World Series. They had also traded for Manny Ramirez. And Casey Blake did an awesome job at third. His first season with the Indians and Dodgers combined, he had a 2.3 war. 2009, when the Dodgers, I think, had the best record in the National League, he had a 4.5 war at third base. And he was awesome defensively. He actually holds the Dodgers franchise record with the best fielding percentage at third base. And he was hitting 18 to 20 something home runs each year with the Dodgers too, until he started to decline in 2010. He had a 2.9 war, which is nothing great, but that was still better than a lot of the years Carlos Santana had with the Do- with the Indians and Phillies. So even if you kind of regret that trade long-term for me, Casey Blake was awesome as a Dodger and very underrated. Yeah, I always like Casey Blake. I, I I never I never was mad about that. I think that the Dodgers at that point had been really hurting for a third baseman since Adrian Beltre had left, and they tried literally everybody. I I think there were I wasn't there a guy named like Chin Lung Hu or something like that. I mean, yeah. they, they literally tried everybody, and so it was really nice actually to have a solid third baseman like Casey Blake. Pretty you know pretty good defender, uh, good bat. He, you know, hit 18, 19 home runs or whatever it was. He was a solid third baseman. So I never disliked that move. Yep. And I and I don't understand people out there that that would that would hate he on had that. some numbers in the postseason too. Forgot to mention yeah. that. He had a nice beard, also. Yes, very nice beard. Um, just kind of a, a you know, just a good third baseman. Well, you know, what do you want? Um so my guy, and I don't really know who who hated on this signing other than Kevin is the, he's the only one that I've heard from about this, but I assume there's other people out there that didn't like when we signed Juan Pierre uh, in the off season of 2006, they signed him for five years, $44 million. Now he didn't end up playing all five years in LA. He only played three seasons, but he was actually a lot better than I remember him being. And for me, I know you guys know this. I am a huge uh, advocate for small ball. I love good, you know, sacrifice bunts. I love stolen bases. I don't care about that money ball stuff. Like I just like seeing it makes the game exciting. And if you have a guy like Juan Pierre who can steal bases, you unleash him. And at the time when they got Juan Pierre, um, they didn't really have a legitimate uh, leadoff hitter since about, you know, like Eric Young and Dave Roberts they had uh, for a little bit. So he was like a legitimate leadoff hitter. And he was with us from 2007 to 2009. And over uh, 426 games, he hit 294, 339 on base, 50 doubles, 134 stolen bases. In his first season, which was in 2007, he played all 162 games. He batted 293 with a 331 on base and 64 stolen bases. Now that ranks him 11th all time in franchise history for a single season, which is pretty cool. Now we don't, we we don't see players like Juan Pierre anymore. Like that, that type of player has kind of been phased out. And for a while, the Dodgers were leading off Jock Peterson. So that kind of gives you an idea of where that position has gone. And I just think that with him and with uh, Rafael Fercal at the top of the lineup, that was super exciting. And unfortunately for Juan Pierre, his role kind of diminished when they got Manny Ramirez. And then they traded uh, Juan Pierre in the 2009 offseason to the White Sox for John Eli and John Link, who didn't amount to anything. Um, but we did make the playoffs with Juan Pierre in 2008 
in 2009. So that's my argument for him. I really enjoyed his time as a Dodger. And I think he was worth the money that we gave him. Juan Pierre was all right. You know, what I liked about Juan Pierre was he never struck out. What I didn't like about Juan Pierre was he hit so many freaking shallow flyouts to shallow right field or whatever. But, you know, his OPS was always under 700, I believe, with the Dodgers and no power, which hurts. But, you know, maybe if the Dodgers did a better job of scoring with runners on base, maybe Juan Pierre's legacy would be looked at differently. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, he wasn't the, you know, he wasn't the greatest player of all time. And he had a, you know, one of the weakest arms ever. Um, but I, I just felt that like at the time he was just, he was just, just a good fit. Okay. Uh, so full disclosure, I, I did not fully understand this segment and I, I thought we were hate, we were announcing trades that we just didn't like. Uh, so I'm going to give you that one, but I have thought of one that I, I did like. So my, my initial one, one that I just didn't like at all and sucked was the Dodgers acquiring Jimmy Rollins in 2014. Uh, we didn't give up basically anything. You give up Zach Eflin and Thomas Wendell, uh, but Jimmy Rollins sucked as a Dodger. That's just the truth. We only had him for one year. He sucked. It was a bad trade. Anyway, uh, my, my actual one for this segment, now that I, I fully understand it, uh, is one Kevin that is going, that is one that Kevin is going to like particularly. 2014, we traded D Gordon and D Dan Heron and Miguel Rojas and Cash to the Miami Marlins for Chris Hatcher, Kike Hernandez, Andrew Haney, and Austin Barnes. At the time, that trade got lit up by pretty much everyone. Uh, D Gordon just had a great year. It was, you know, great. Who are these guys we're getting? Uh, and then to cap it off, Chris Hatcher was one of the worst Dodgers relievers we've seen in a long time. Uh, he blew it. I know Kevin thinks he didn't, but he did. Uh, so look, my, my, that's the one I liked it. Did I like it at the time? I, I did, honestly don't remember. Probably not. Uh, but here we are, uh, six years later, uh, and two of those pieces were very important on the world series winning championship. Also just to slip in there, uh, because you brought up Jimmy Rollins. I hated when we got Shane Victorino because he yeah, killed us for too. years. And when we got him on the Dodgers, he sucked. And I was just yeah. like, God. And, uh, and, and Ruiz, too, the catcher, Cheech. Oh, yeah, Cheech or Chooch or whatever. Chooch, yeah. Well, David, I'm glad you brought up that 2014 trade that was one of the first ones Andrew Friedman did, if I'm not mistaken. And that would have gone down as one of the ultimate heists if we didn't trade Andrew Heaney for Howie Kendrick. That's the only thing I kind of look back on and kind of wish we gave Heaney a fair shot because I think he's a decent left-handed arm for the Dodgers. But this Chris Hatcher slander by everyone is just unjustified. He was so good with the Dodgers. Now, oh, hear me out. Puke, dude. Puke. It started off poorly. April, March, he had a 7.56 ERA. Then it went down to 6.14. That's still bad. I'm talking about the 2015 season. Then he started to turn the corner. In June, 3.38 ERA. In August, he was on fire. 1.08. ERA over eight innings. And then September, October, 14 appearances, 146 ERA. And then they used him in three or four games in that postseason against the Mets. He didn't give up a single run. I don't think he gave up a single hit. He was on fire. And then, of course, he became a dumpster fire that next season. But that's besides the point. In 2015, the Dodgers should have won the World Series but thanks to good old Don Mattingly, who's now the manager of the year out in Miami, we weren't able to beat the Mets. But that team with Granke on fire, Kershaw, of course, underrated season as well. And then you had Hatcher, who was unhittable out of the pen. They could have easily have won the World Series. I don't even remember what happened in 2015. But I know that if you're hanging on to Chris Hatcher for like a sliver of being a sliver of being a decent pitcher. I don't know, man. Like, he had this one game against the giants where it was like one Boshi and Mattingly going back and forth with all the pitching changes. And then it went into extra innings and Hatcher had to go three strong. He didn't give up a single run. And the Dodgers held on to win. That was probably Hatcher's biggest achievement with the Dodgers yeah it definitely was congratulations to Chris Hatcher for that one dominant game what a trade <laughs> Jim, what an absolute steal Jim of a trade Johnson was way worse for what it's worth well maybe but Chris Hatcher was bad oh my god I totally forgot he was about bad. Jim Johnson 
George Cheryl was pretty good, though. Cheryl, yes. Oh my God, it's all coming back to me. They gave up someone pretty good for George Cheryl, I think, too. I'd have, I'd have to look why does it the up. Name, why does the name Trembly or Trombley come to mind, too? There's some relief pitcher. Troncoso? No, not Troncoso. Ronald Belisario. Yeah, I saw yeah, Belisario yeah. on Twitter today. Not him himself, just his picture and people talking about him for some reason. I don't know why. That I guy hope he's awful. doing well some wherever he wherever he is. Oh yeah, it was the, they gave up Josh Bell, but I was like, it can't be not, the Pirates yeah. Josh Bell. Yeah, no. no. It was yeah, it was a different Josh Bell. So cancel what I said earlier. All right, so Thanksgiving is literally days away, and I don't know how you guys feel about the holiday. So let's start this off on a light note. What does Thanksgiving mean to you? What do you like about this day? Do you look forward to it all year long? It's actually, I think, one and two. It kind of goes back and forth for me between my favorite holidays of the year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, And I, I know, you know, it's not, I'm not being a good Jew when I say that, but Christmas is just a good holiday. It's, you know, it has nothing to do with religion. It's just a really good holiday. What, what can you say? Um, but I like, I love Thanksgiving. Um, the food is always amazing. Obviously this year is, is a lot different cause we can't, um, you know, or it's not that we can't, we shouldn't, uh, gather in large numbers, uh, with our extended family members. But honestly, I, I don't know, you know, what your guys' relationship is with your extended family, but, I only see mine once a year and that is Thanksgiving. So I, I'm super thankful for that getting around, you know, sitting around the table, eating good food, having a laugh. Uh, and we do a tradition where we pass a Turkey leg around the table and we say what we're thankful for. So definitely going to miss that this year, but yeah, you know, nothing, nothing compares to a Thanksgiving meal. Thanksgiving is by far my favorite holiday, like without a doubt, the best holiday of the year, by far the best food you get to see your family uh, obviously a little bit different this year, but I, I was able to come down to LA. I am with my family. It's going to be much smaller. Uh, I got COVID tested like three times in six days before you all yell at me. Uh, and it is by far my favorite holiday. Uh, it's mostly for the food, honestly. Uh, so I, I'm, I can't wait for Thursday. I knew that was coming from David. I, I remember in the past how much he raved about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the best it's a solid holiday it's it's more like the it's like the mets of the new york teams it's it's up there but it's it's no christmas like it's a yankees. bad comp it's a horrible comp the yankees are the way christmas. better than the mets thanksgiving is like the mets no no way <laughs> thanksgiving is like if you want if you i'm look i'm not going to hate on anyone for having christmas as their favorite holiday obviously it's a great holiday it but if you're going to put thanksgiving as the mets Thanksgiving is the Rays at worst, and the Dodgers can be Christmas. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll take that. Hey, the, the 86 Mets, as they say, was one of the best teams ever. All right, fine. Then you didn't say that, though. You just said the Mets. You just said the Mets. I know. but Like the Wilpon the era. Mets, the Mets are a respectable franchise. They're yeah, not... it's like thanks, Thanksgiving is like the 2002 Angels. Like, I mean, you know. <laughs> Anyways, so I thought I'd – do a little treat for everyone and give my Thanksgiving food rankings. I only did nine of them. So if I'm missing anything, let me know. But first, let me ask, should I do worst to best or best to worst? Do worst to best. Well, well, worst, do you mean, is it like seventh best or ninth best? Or this is your like least favorite? This is obviously opinionated because food is subjective well it's your it's your top nine right so it's, yeah yeah okay so yeah, just, yeah so go, go start with number nine, nine first yeah number nine okay first honorable mention ham anyone that chooses ham over turkey you're kind of insane so i just wanted to throw that out there yeah, who does that so number nine is gravy maybe one of the most overrated sauces in existence you're already i off don't to a bad think start. gravy <laughs> I don't think gravy is any good and you can have it pretty much all year long. I know they love it out in the South and at David's household, but to me, you can skip the gravy. Number eight, this is kind of a combo of green beans and green bean casserole. It's healthy for you. It's okay, but it's really nothing to look forward to. Number seven, cranberry sauce. Again, not the most exciting fruit out there in the world. I don't know why people go nuts over cranberries when Thanksgiving rolls around. It's just an okay fruit and an okay juice at best. Number six is mashed potatoes. 
they're high. good but i have ma- i can have mashed potatoes all year long with my steak or my prime rib so when thanksgiving rolls around i'm not like really looking forward to mashed potatoes you know it's not even the best form of potatoes but that's a whole different debate on its own number five rolls and cornbread i mean who doesn't love bread good bread and cornbread so i think if you don't have that on your thanksgiving table you're really missing out number four pumpkin pie it's definitely the best of all the pies during thanksgiving i agree with that you can call me a pumpkin slut because i go all out when it's pumpkin season absolutely i'm not, I'm not gonna do that but i do like pumpkin pie <laughs> pumpkin pie is delicious I, i'm getting mine from apple pan this year a good west la place yes so supporting that small business right there love that place number three turkey you know this is where it gets really tough, but it's in the top three. So that's an honorable, that's honorable on its own. But, you know, turkey is another thing that you can kind of have all year long. I don't know why people get so hyped about turkey, but it's delicious. I don't know if it's the best because number two is the sweet potatoes slash red yams. Absolutely delicious, especially if you sprinkle some brown sugar or cinnamon on it. It's fire. I just love it. And number one, the stuffing. You need good stuffing. If you don't have the good stuffing to complement your turkey, then the whole meal is a wash. So you need the stuffing. It's the MVP. It really fills you up. It's delicious when prepared right. It makes the whole meal for me. And that's my rankings, guys. I'm going to say real quick, I think that when you go back for seconds, right, because everybody does it, what do you put on your plate when you go back for seconds? That's how you know which is the best because you're going back for your favorites of what you, cause you, you, you know, you pile everything on one plate, right? Cause you want to get a taste of everything, especially if your family does like a potluck thing, they bring everything you want to try everything, but it's what you go back for when you get seconds is what you, is what really counts. Stuffing definitely is on that list. The, uh, um, the sweet potato mm-hmm. with the, you know, top it off with some, with marshmallows. some marshmallows. Yep. Yep. Perfect. And the Turkey and, and, and the gravy. That's that. Those are my, those are my go-tos. Okay, here's, here's, what you got, here's what you need to know. I'm going to tell you how to do Thanksgiving right. There's five, five foods that you should only be eating. Number one, turkey, obviously. And, and before I start, I don't count gravy and cranberry sauce as foods. Okay, they're sauces. They're complementary pieces. Yes, and, and for the record, I like The Kike Hernandez of Thanksgiving. Yeah, just what you, do, what you do with gravy and cranberry sauce, just dump it all over your plate when you're done. Just, just pour it on everything and just, just dump it on. Turkey, number one, clearly. Mashed potatoes, number two, because it complements turkey perfectly with the gravy on both. Number three, stuffing. Number four, uh, the candied yams slash sweet potatoes. And number five, the cornbread slash rolls. That's the only thing you need to eat. Don't fill up on green bean casserole, green beans, all this salad. No, save it. That's for another day. That's not for Thanksgiving, okay? You do that plate once. You go back. You make the second plate. Same thing again get the gravy, dump it on everything, get some cranberry sauce, dump it on everything and just go to town. This is a, this is a day to just stuff yourself and, and be basically immobile for the next four hours. <laughs> Those are the only things you need to eat. Yeah. You want to get some pumpkin, pumpkin pie when you're done. That's allowed. But first, first round, those five things, top it off with the gravy and cranberry sauce, move along, do it all again, twice, get some pie, be done for the day. And you're not having pumpkin pie with everything else. You're having it afterwards. After, correct. You want to hear something interesting? I absolutely despise Black Friday food, and it's because I cannot stand leftovers. I just oh no, that's any, the best part. Any leftovers, anything. I cannot eat the same dude, thing. Dude, dude, you put two you days put all in a row. the left. You make a sandwich, bro. Yeah, you make yep. a sandwich. Rye bread, sandwich. toast it up. Put all that crap you just put on your plate. Put it in a sandwich. Exactly. The Thanksgiving sandwich is underrated. The post, the post Thanksgiving. Post. Black yeah. Friday. Yes. The whole weekend. All right. Cool. Anything else you guys want to talk about real quick before we call it a day? 
Yeah. Well, I just want to say, cause I mentioned at the top, uh, like I said, starting my uh, a new podcast, baseball appreciation podcast called Meeting on the Mound. I just had you guys on talking about the Dodgers World Series title. It's a really fun podcast. We're going to have a lot of great guests on there. Um, the pilot episode drops on Black Friday. So if you go on to uh, iTunes podcast or, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to follow and uh, also rate, uh, rate the podcast as well. That'll help us out a lot. And uh, yeah, we've got great guests. My dad and my grandfather, which I recorded back in January, they're going to be uh, on the pilot episode. We've got Billy Crystal. We got Chris Hayes from MSNBC. Um, we have Sean Green. Jeff Blum is going to be on the show. And you're going to hear from Kevin and David uh, talking on the show. We're going to real release. headliners there. Yes. Well, <laughs> I saved you guys for last. So <laughs> yeah. if you guys uh, like us here on the incline, definitely you're going to want to check us out on uh, Meeting on the Mound. So. Uh, Meeting on the Mound with Jake Reiner. Go ahead and uh, subscribe and follow there. Do it, guys. You won't regret it. Make sure to follow us as well. My final thoughts are pretty simple. Justin Turner is going to be back with the Dodgers. I don't think Nolan Arenado will be. Uh, And for Thanksgiving, just stick with the first five things I said. Turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, uh, sweet potatoes, and rolls. That's it. That's all you need. Do it twice. Do it three times. Do it four times. Stick with those. Stuff yourself. These aren't your final thoughts because I just want to give a quick shout out to two of the other LA teams that I think we all love dearly. First of all, the Lakers have been on fire this off season worth mentioning, bringing in Marcus Saul, one of the best centers. You're going to love him defensively signing Montrez Harrell trading for Dennis Schroeder, adding Wesley Matthews, who's another good wing defender. This Lakers team's not going away. They are poised Keith Morris to is back too. Yes, re-signing Markeith Morris and Caldwell Pope. This team is poised to win another championship for Los Angeles and surpass the Celtics. Let's lock up AD, though. Let's get that done. He's coming. He's coming. Don't worry. They also signed Xavier Simpson out of the University of Michigan. (laughs) Second of all, shout out to the Los Angeles Rams, the official football team of LA. Sorry, Raiders and Chargers fans. Whose house? Yeah, Rams house. Beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football, moving up to a seven and three record, absolutely getting to Tom Brady, who looked like a forty-three-year-old man, to be quite frank. Jared Goff, all the haters need to stop. He won a primetime game against arguably the best, one of the best defenses in the NFC. They were ranked first against quarterbacks by PFF just the other day. I'm sure that's changed now, but Jared Goff. Quit hating on him. He's a good quarterback. Is he the best? No. Is he a bottom 10? Absolutely not. It fires me up whenever people talk trash about this guy. You, gonna... The thing is, is you just have to accept Jared Goff for who he is. You just have to. That, that, that's the only way you're going to f- be at peace with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they're really helping Jared Goff out for sure. They are just excellent route runners, yards after catch, all that. So the Rams... Don't sleep on them. They might be back in the Super Bowl. Right. We got the nods of approval there. So thank you all (laughs) for listening to The Incline. Hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Be safe on Black Friday. I don't even know if that's going down this year. But regardless, have a little fun, but be safe. Make sure to stay tuned for all the announcements that we have moving forward. Hopefully it's an exciting offseason. But you know the Dodgers are World Series champions, so we're not sweating over here. Go Dodgers. Thank you for listening and we're out.